You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm talking to a brilliant comedian, Wendy Wason. Uh, she's from, what, can I, what can I tell you about Wendy? She's from Scotland, known her for a long time. She's uh, been on the circuit for a good while, uh, touring her own shows. And also, when we'll talk about this uh, a little bit, uh, she is uh, juggling her career with raising three children, no less. Um, also, we, we sort of get diverted into some, into some stuff about energy and crystals, but, you know, you could sort of take a leave of that bit. Uh, I think uh, what Wendy has to say on the discipline of happiness uh, is very important indeed. So, without further ado, this is the brilliant Wendy Wason. Where have you been? Where were you gigging last night? Hot I was water. gigging last night in Liverpool. Okay. Um, and, yeah, of course, like, I left yesterday and it was tipping down with rain, so I left London in that biblical flood, um, done up with uh, layers and layers of coats and umbrellas and jumpers and came back today and it's roasting hot and I look like I'm dressed for winter, so I've been peeling off layers through the streets of London. And where are you in comedy at the moment? Are you doing Edinburgh this year? I'm doing Edinburgh this year. I've got a new show, yes. When was the last time you did Edinburgh? Uh, I, I, have, I do one year on, one year off. Okay. Because I don't know if I've got my, you know, I wang on. But what, I, was gonna, <laughs> I just wang on. I was thinking the other day, that I don't, I, do I ever write, like, because I'm working, like, John Luke Roberts is writing the show with me and I always think that I don't write that much. Well, he's script editing and I, I was going, I don't really write jokes. I just tell stories about my kids and then put a punchline on it. And he was going, well, that's, that's a joke. Yeah. So, oh, because I always think I'm really lazy because everyone else has got these carefully crafted. And I'm like, guess what Max did today? <laughs> guess <laughs> what he did today? And then I'll see. That gig recording you sent me from uh, the stand Newcastle. Yes. Is great. Oh, it was really recent, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's great. It's the best I've heard you. Oh, really? Yeah. It was really loose and, and fluid and zappy and all about your children and awful about your children. You'd said, like, you kept stopping going, it's, it's really dark, isn't it? I'm really awful, aren't I? It was great. I kind of, I kind of feel like I'm Because my sense of humour is quite black and quite dark. And I used to think, oh, I used to have that thing when I started going, I want people to like me. And now I'm a bit like, do you know what? I don't have time. If you want to like me, jump on board. And if you don't, fuck off. But it's taken me a long time to get there. And I think I'm now at the stage when I first started out, I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to talk about this, I'm going to talk about feminism, and I'm going to talk about this, I'm going to talk about that. But I do tell stories about the kids with a little underlying thing that I want to make a point, but I don't ram it down your throat. But it's taken me a long time to be comfortable about that because I thought, I used to think, I don't want people to think I'm lecturing them. How did you, how did you, well, this is, this is good and I want to know more about it, but it occurs to me for people that don't know you, don't know how me. did you bring yourself to comedy? I, um, Right, so when I was at school, when I just left school, I got a job at the Guild of Bloom selling tickets on, in the box I office. never knew that about Didn't you? you. One of my first jobs when okay. I was at school. So I, who was there? Corky and the Juice Pigs were there. Sean Hughes was, was big news. Um, David Dale, I remember trying to come in and was like, get Karen Corn, do you know who I am? And I was kind of like, I'm from Edinburgh, I don't I have no idea who you are. <laughs> Karen says I have to make everyone pay. Uh, to be fair, he was quite pissed, so I don't know if he's normally like that, but he was a bit 
do you know who I am? Um, and so yeah, I used to sit, sit at the door late and live till like three o'clock in the morning. And then I always wanted to be a comic. I remember being gutted, 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 going to see Eddie Izzard in the main room of the old Guild of Bloom. Do you remember the old Guild Yeah, yeah. I need one year I went there and then oh, it really? burned down the next year. Nothing to do with it. So um, <laughs> um, I went to see Eddie Izzard one night. I was like, oh, he's brilliant. Otherwise, he just makes stuff up. And then I went to see him the next night and I was kind of like, what? What? And, like he did the whole thing, was like stuck in the curtains, going, oh, and the curtain's nice. And then he did it again the next night. And I was like, what's going on and then so more comedy and thought I'd love to do that but I'm never going to be confident enough to do comedy and then sort of started doing plays at school and did went and studied theatre at university and kept coming back every year to um to the Guild of Bloom and worked there for maybe maybe three years I think and was always devastated when like the circus would roll into town when you live in Edinburgh and you love the festival because there's loads of people from Edinburgh who are like oh the fucking festival you know I'll rent out my house and go to the Bahamas for yeah. three weeks but I, I loved it. I remember my, my, my dad took me to see You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, when I was eight. That was the first show I saw at the Edinburgh Festival, and I just loved it. And then the circus rolls into town, and then it's really bleak, because it's all quiet, and everyone the leaves. The week after the festival. Yeah. It's quite, I've stayed around for a few days and thought, why am I here? Get I know. out. And it's a like, beautiful you know, city. You know, in West, <laughs> I know, but you know in Westerns, when tumbleweed blows across the, yeah. the, the road, yeah, it's like that with Edinburgh posters. It's just terrific, and the town's empty, and it's like, oh, so I kind of feel like I've joined the circus. That's lovely. What a lovely way of putting it. Um, you, were you, I'm just going to ask this as a separate concern, were you ever a pitch kid? Did you ever hang out on the street performing pitches as a kid no, in Edinburgh? a pitch kid? Yeah. No, I don't know what you that remi- is. You're reminding me of, uh, no, I mean, it's a sort of a, you know, it's I'm a intrigued. microscopic bit of a thing. A pitch kid is someone uh, whose parents park them in front of a street show and... Fifteen years off. later, they're a street performer. <laughs> yeah. So when you said you worked in the Gilded Balloon, I was like, "Oh, pitch kid!" Like right. effectively, right. you know, you're part of the machinations of the festival. Oh, I see. Like in the same way, I suppose you know, it's not in a. That sounds a very diminutive way. I mean it with a lot of love. But um, in a similar way, I guess, like you get comics who used to be a bouncer at a comedy club oh, really? and went, "Hang on a minute." And I you, can do that. Yeah, yeah, and you you were tearing tickets and thinking, "Hang on." I'd a love minute. to do that, but I remember thinking because I, I wanted to do it, I wanted to do it, and I thought I'm never going to be confident enough, and then I ended up acting. Which is really weird because I thought I'm not going to be, you know, the, the great thing about acting is it's got that sort of perfect combination between vulnerability and strength because you have to be strong enough to get through the auditions and the knockbacks. But if you're not vulnerable, you don't get the job. So you have to be vulnerable at the casting. That's really interesting. I've often heard stand up described as you're the most vulnerable person in the room and the most powerful person in the room. I've never kind of put that framework onto an, onto another thing okay yeah I think it's well, I mean I, I was like a very fraudulent actor so I don't know that I ever experienced those that approach well, I don't know if I'm the, I'm the best actor in the world but I think that's sort of relaxing enough to let because I, I, I can be quite guarded and not let people in sometimes but I think if you sort of let down the chink and sometimes the camera can pull it out if you're acting because you know like in camp like you don't do anything in film acting you just let your eyes do it and all the sort of worst actors are the ones, well, I would say the worst actors. Johnny Depp is a classic silent movie actor and he, with these big expressions and he's sort of, but I think the, sort of the, the most interesting actors I see are the ones who do something tiny and you're like, ooh, yeah. there's something happening there. I, some of my favourite moments of stand-up are when almost nothing is happening. And you can just, I always like to test, you know, a sound check. Here's the yeah. sound, I don't need a sound check. My ideal sound check is when I can just get the mic and go, Oh, really? and, and hear it and oh, go wow. oh yeah this, I, I, I lie to myself I, there's probably like one second per Edinburgh hour I where that produce happens. where there's a moment of just like 
like that or just something tiny and I love it so much because of course I used to be on the on the pitch yeah. you know big big loud over here standing on a thing taking my clothes yeah. off look at this look at this and I love the the subtlety the that you can see the silences the gaps that reminds me of that John Peel quote you know when he said that people don't like records because of the background noise and he was like life is background noise I just thought it was, it was really interesting take on the noise that you get when you play a record you know yeah. that yeah life is background noise so you're you you've done a couple of plays you dabbled with acting well i did I, like i did um i did a film with johnny depp actually and i did um i've done lots of bits and pieces. out of nowhere what film was that it's called the libertine i was ah. pregnant with max okay and I remember being the most hated. Do you not know that? Did no, it, um, no. I've done lots of bits and pieces of Sherlock. I don't do massive parts and stuff. So you're Sherlock. Loved it. Wee bits. I'm doing. A, <laughs> I'm doing a film at the end of this month, actually. Okay. Which is, um, you know, in, dis- in my agent's hammering out a deal because I'm so bad. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it for chocolate buns and I'll swim there. My agent's like, yeah. fucking stop <laughs> telling people that. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I did that, and uh, yeah, I was, yeah, the most hated woman on the set when um, uh, I was five months pregnant with Max, and he kicked, he kicked me, and I went, oh. Oh, and um, Johnny Depp went, is the baby kicking? And him and John Malkovich, who was also in the film, came over and put their hands on my tummy. And I looked up at all the women on the set going, fucking bitch. (laughs) 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 Johnny Depp and John Malkovich laying their hands on me. Yeah. So I I clearly, uh, I used the wrong word there. I said, you dabbled in acting. What I I meant was, when you started out pre-stand-up, to what? What kind of level of professional actor were you before you first grabbed the mic and got on stage to do stand up? Uh, what do you mean, what level? I don't know. I, I, don't I mean, know. like, were you working? Were I, was, you... I was working, doing bits and bobs. Basically, what happened was uh, having children, I've always wanted kids. And so I had my young, my, I had my first at 28, which probably isn't young to most people, but it's quite young if you're in entertainment, I think. Mm. Um, and sort of prioritised her i really want to be, be be there for the baby and let, that doesn't let you go away for three months and i think also i am very i wanted to do more acting and i was doing less acting but i think basically my head was going you want to be with your baby whereas like i'm just not getting the jobs you used to get but i don't think i think deep down i was going i don't fucking want to do this i want to watch the baby i mean you've got a child you know what it's like when you want to just sit and watch them asleep mm-hmm. and have them curl their little hands around your whole finger you're just like this is amazing and then always wanted to do comedy and thought, I'll give it a try, I'll give it a try, I'll give it a try. And then Max was six weeks old and I thought, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. So I did a comedy course. Which one? The Amused Moose one. Okay. And I um, um, started my first like 10 minutes. I was still breastfeeding and then did loads of open spot gigs. And I lived, I lived two hours away. Because we were talking about this to someone the other day then they were like, God, you were really determined. And there's that sort of fresh madness that comes after you've had a baby where you're like I can do fucking anything I have grown a human stand back watch me roar yes and there's also a, and that's a lovely turn of phrase there's a fresh madness to discovering comedy and I guess when those things both combine you're like oh I'll, I'll literally go anywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I'd like put the kids in the car do two hours drive up to London two hours here two there get someone to sit with the kids while I went on stage I expressed milk but after like, I think I did a gig and amu- an old no, it was the amused moose one down in the, the club downstairs, yeah, yeah, yeah. expressing milk up backstage with some drunk comedians going, can we taste breast milk? And I was like, well, not, not directly from the rest you can, but you can have a sip. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it tastes just like Yakult, apparently. Um, but then, so did that and then did more and more gigs and then, yeah. You were, 
you said something I wanted to pick up on. The you got someone to sit with the kids, like yeah. this, like a repetitive. I'm just because I'm obviously I have a small baby. Part yeah. of me is thinking before having the baby, I was like, yeah, we could just you know just sort of drop him off or have him on stage or you know I can still work. I can look yeah. after the baby and work because I think I want to be. There was like a guy in a comic book. I think he was called possibly Nomad or something like that. Who was like the one? He was a superhero who had a baby in a papoose. Oh wow! <laughs> well, like I've a, done a gig. He was like a mercenary. I did um, <laughs> screaming with laughter gig, and my babysitter didn't turn up, so I just strapped Riley, the youngest, on and the baby born, and just did it I've Incredible. got a photograph of me just that's great but, you know, I've seen a street performer do that fabulous Hazel Anderson oh really that, uh, Glastonbury comparing it's a stage just, well, with the a baby thing is the I've got a baby and I I'm still dark and funny and just because I've got a child doesn't mean that, that sort of diminishes me I think the the weird thing is I, I when I started out in comedy everyone was saying you need to stop talking about your kids because it's not the demographic and I was kind of like well everyone knows a kid why can't I talk about kids? That's is, I don't when know. When you say everyone was saying that, do you mean like agents, other acts? Agent, Where were you getting uh, that from? Sorry, agents, a couple of people from TV. Okay. But then also that there's people that I know. I think having like, if you have children, it puts you at a certain age. People know you're of a certain age if you have kids. Yeah. Um. But and I was laughing because you know that there was a TV show that uh, my agent put me forward for, and quite recently, and they said no, 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 uh, our remit is youth, <laughs> and I didn't get on it, even though. Some of the other people that were on it are older than me. Okay. I don't know if you are. They're managing to conceal their age, I or in a know. way, or they're less brazen about the fact that you're like, you know, yeah. I talk about my kids and kids and plural I have my as 40s. well. Yeah, but I just thought it was interesting. I was like, your remit's youth. Okay, <laughs> what were we talking about? I got off track. That's all right. Uh, I was asking you about having someone look after your baby. Oh. yeah, no. So I'm going to tell you about um, a babysitting service that's going to change your life. Uh huh. It's called Sitters. It's a nationwide service and they're all nurses and childcare experts and you register in London and if you're in Bristol or if you're in wherever, they'll come and sit in the hotel room with your child while you're going to do a gig. No way. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my God. I know. That's very interesting. I know that lots of people listening to this will be. I, I was aware. I was aware coming to this. So I was like, I wonder if we'll talk about your kids because I know you've got kids and I know you love them. I know you talk about them on stage. Obviously, I've just had a kid. Don't want to alienate the demographic of this show, but yeah. this could easily be a talking about kids episode to a certain extent. You know, <laughs> I, I know you've got. I can't a, like mine. Absolutely, even though I'm dark about I, them. I, I'm, no, no, no. I'm also, I also uh, don't want anyone to think that I don't want to talk about your material. We okay. will also do that as well. But a lot of your material that I've heard yeah. recently is about your kids. So well, I, think I don't have time to make stuff up, Stuart. I'm looking after three children, and I can't. How you know, are you doing it? Well, I'm not doing it today, am I? I'm sitting here <laughs> sipping water with you. Um, I, do you know what? It's kind of always by a wing and a prayer. And I kind of operate on that. A wing and a prayer and a lucrative acting career, should we assume? I do, do voiceovers. Voiceovers, of course. Voiceovers. I don't think I could like, you know, it's not, the acting career is not that lucrative. But the voiceovers sort of bump up the stand-up earnings. Gotcha. Um, so that lets me pay for babysitters and stuff. And like, I'm just, the equation in my mind at the moment is, I love my baby, can I afford to have another one? Yeah. I feel like I can get away with still being a stand-up. Find, you can always find it. And also, you never regret having another baby. Yeah. No one's going to go, I shouldn't have had that second baby. I <laughs> <laughs> Don't they? I no. thought what happened was people got lucky. They got a golden baby and they went, let's do it again. And then the second one was an absolute terrorist. And they went, what have we done? I don't know. I think, you know, I think if you're laid back, it, the, the parents just, the, the kids get it from you, don't they? I mean, mine are just... Yeah, I'm not laid back. Are you? <laughs> no. Is your baby uptight? 
I worry that he'll be upset. No, of course, that's my biggest fear. Like, I'm quite an anxious person. My biggest fear is that I pay that forward and I I create a legacy of anxiety. But if you're anxious, the person you're with cannot be anxious because the person you're with must soothe you. Yeah. So if you put your positive points with her positive points and bin the negative ones, that's what you're going to create. That kind of way of looking at the world that you have just espoused there is that something you've learnt by having three kids or is the fact that you think that like that any you just think like that anyway that enabled you to have three kids which way I around? don't know I think I've learnt a lot more I think I um, I'm always quite a sort of positive person and I do work at positivity I think you, there's so many things I think you have to work at that don't come naturally so like People think that comics just get up on stage and chat. You don't. You sit and you write things down. I have a notebook on me at all times. I have my iPhone where I note note things down that I think are funny. Um, And it's a discipline. And I think happiness can be a discipline too, if that makes sense. And I kind of think that that sort of thing we like, oh, fuck, you know what a shitty day it is. I do go, no, 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 no. What's good about today? So I, I kind of sort of train myself to do that. And the kids... I try and do that with the children as well because I kind of think that I we encourage random acts of kindness in our house. It's a big thing that we just do something nice for people. So how would I, what's a random act of kindness that doesn't... Okay, so my granddad was a long-distance lorry driver and he used to say to me, when you're on the motorway in the car, wave at the truck drivers because they're away from their wives and families and they miss them. So I used to always do that as a kid. And now my children wave at the underground tube drivers because they're underground for hours not yeah. talking to anyone and and they always wave back or they toot the yeah and it's just it's nothing that's, that's an effort for us but it's a sort of kindness thing and i think you work at that you work at comedy you work at relationships you work at so do you have a strong work ethic do you think for your stand-up um yeah i think I, I i do i mean i kind of i like the discipline of edinburgh because i do it every night i know people sort of go i i i sort of I like, I like gigging every single night. I can't gig every single night because I have the children and I'm happy that I'm like, Riley's got an assembly. My youngest is an assembly on Friday. So I will not be doing anything like tonight because I want to be there for, for them. And I also don't think it's their fault when you've got a hangover and you have them there up in the morning like, Mummy! And you're like, no, no, Mummy's drunk last <laughs> night. <laughs> I think that's a bit shit. So um, I, I, can, I try and prioritise like sports days and that kind of stuff so I don't gig every night of the week but I love Edinburgh because I get to gig every night of the week and I always did that thing of looking at other comics going oh they're much further on than me and they gig more than me and and then no Wendy you've got a lovely family and it's about balance yes so I kind of top myself off the ledge quite a lot I think so this is Wendy thanks to her for coming on the show uh, I'm really enjoying this conversation and uh, I think there's lots more to get straight back into so we'll do that momentarily however first I want to do some Edinburgh plugging not just for my own show which as you all know is called Compared to What and it's on at 3.45pm daily at the Liquid Rooms Annex accessible via Victoria Street in the beautiful city of Edinburgh it's a free show but do bring a load of cash with you just in case the mood takes you to donate at the end um, on the subject of donations of course you can continue doing that to the show with a recurring or a one-off thing uh, via comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate lots of opportunities there and I've had some lovely correspondence from people all over the world recently and um, no one has taken up the mantle of beating the biggest offer I think the biggest uh, donation this week uh, was £25 from a listener who shall remain nameless but thank you very much to you you know who you are um, so I mean obviously 
It was never going to creep up 102, 103, 104. It was never going to do that, was it? That would have been great. (laughs) But nonetheless, thank you to everyone that's donated and thank you, of course, to everyone that has set up a recurring donation um, and uh, and all of that. So loads of Edinburgh stuff to talk about. Uh, I'm going to start with Matt Ewins, who I recommend every year and I see every year more than once if I can. Uh, Matt Ewins is uh, just... I mean, he's just sort of insane. I think he is dangerously insane. Um, But... He has an absolutely unparalleled ability to... He's just so good at rug pulls. He's so good at this is the circumstances. And then before you can even catch up with what's going on, he's completely changed the paradigm of the joke. That's a nerdy way of saying he's really good at jokes. He's also a total asshole when it comes to self-promotion because he can't fill in a, a Q&A for Broadway Baby or uh, whatever the latest, whatever the the, the, P, the personal PR thing is uh, du jour. He can't do that without doing it in character and Consequently, sending potential audience to something that doesn't exist <laughs> up a hill in Christ knows where, and so Matt Ewins needs my help and all of your <laughs> and all of yours as well. So, number one recommendation for Edinburgh this year, Matt Ewins' show. I've heard a lot about it. I can't wait to see it. Also, Asha Trelevin, who you'll remember if you've been listening to this show for three or four years, and um, brilliant, brilliant Australian comic Asha Trelevin is now residing in the UK and uh, is taking an excellent show, which I I honestly laughed myself hoarse. His show, it's called The Heavens, and uh, him and the very, very funny and talented Gypsy Wood um, do a show, which is... Now, listen, if I give you the concept, it'll be easy to go, okay, I know what this is, but you don't know what this is. It's uh, a husband and wife couple doing a terrible magic act, a load of different terrible magic acts. Now, if you're like me, and some of you are, you'll have seen variations on that theme all over the place. This is absolutely world-beating. I genuinely laughed until I cried. So please go and see the heavens. They're on at the Bosco in Edinburgh. Um, And plenty more besides. What I will do is if you join the Facebook group, I will tend to put my recommendations through there. And I'll start off with those ones as soon as I can. Um, I won't go into further detail now because I'm about to leave to perform the incredible Llama Tree slash Latitude double bill, which contains a mere five-hour drive in between the festivals, not counting traffic. So I'm going to zip off and do that very soon um, after I've uh, played you the rest of this wonderful episode. But uh, more suggestions. Tim Renkow. Go and see Tim Renkow. I mean, this is, the problem is I'm just going to hurl names at you or I've got to do all the research for who's on where and when. And to be honest, it's not all at my fingertips. I don't want to waste your time. Join the Facebook group. You can ask questions of people in advance of their appearance on the show and also get all my recommendations. So it's Comedians Comedian Podcast Facebook group. And uh, that's where you'll find all your info. That'll do for now. Thanks for the donations. Keep them coming in. And uh, thanks for contributing to the show. Thanks for supporting it in uh, in all the various ways that you're doing. So someone this week, here we go. This is my top donor this week. Someone signed up for a monthly £10 recurring donation. Now that is a quality listener, ladies and gentlemen. You're all quality listeners. It's just that's one with more money than sense. I really appreciate it. Um, So thanks to uh, you, anonymous person. And uh, I will speak to the rest of you after we've finished hearing dodgy bit about crystals coming up uh, from the very excellent Wendy. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which number Edinburgh show is this? The one you're writing at the moment? Five. Five. How long does it take you over the year to write or over the two years, over the gap in between, when do you start writing your Edinburgh show? What, is it, what does it look like when you're writing an Edinburgh show? I break it down into um, five, ten-minute bits and then write things around that and then often find that one section of that five-minute bit, that ten-minute bit, is 15 minutes and then it's 20 minutes and then I get rid of all the sections and stick it all together, if that makes sense. Completely. So, yeah. So my new show is called Tiny Me and it's about all the different roles I am like mother sister wife not sister wife (laughs) 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 something different an exclusive (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean daughter friend comedian whatever so and it's all about all the different roles and I seem to sort of the 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 part of being a mother I feel like being a mother to a daughter and a mother to a son is very different because you know they have different needs and different wants and talking to like Max about consent and all that kind of stuff at 11 I kind of feel like you know there's stuff that mothers need to teach their sons as well as their, their daughters it's not just about my, my husband teased me because I, I um, was saying to Isabella who's 14 I was like you know when, when you have sex with a man it's a lovely thing and it's a it's sometimes you do for pleasure because it's pleasurable I'm really open with them they're like oh my god that's so embarrassing shut up mommy <laughs> but I was like it's very pleasurable and it's lovely but you know um you're, a man's going to put the penis inside you so you've got to be very careful that it's, it's a man that you want to do that and that you care about and you love and also you know it's quite easy to get a reputation it's difficult to lose a reputation so you want to keep your numbers down <laughs> so I was like what? <laughs> I was like didn't mean that didn't mean like that didn't mean like that <laughs> I've lost my thread that's sorry, very funny I'm no sorry. not at all not at all I've got, I've got absolutely got baby brain as well these are even more than usually thrown together you see I don't think it's baby brain I think there's just more shit in our heads I bet you know what time the baby feeds and what time the baby sleeps and what time the baby... So that's taking up more room in your brain right now and your brain's going, that's your priority, mate. Your daddy. Yeah, right. So baby brain is actually just a name for priorities. It doesn't matter whether I say exactly the right word or lose my thread because the baby's alive. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm succeeding. That's completely what I believe. It's called baby success. It's called baby success. It's not baby brain. Um... Putting the show together, five so five ten minute bits. Yeah, is that something you are imposing on it? Are you, are you deciding? Are you like writing down five subject matters at the beginning of the yes the the whole process? You go like this year I want to talk about this. Yes, and then I um I'm naturally drawn to, drawn to one topic more than another. The reason I do the five minute bits is because writing an hour makes me go fuck. Yeah, but writing ten minutes, well that's not that bad. We do that every other week, so. Write 10 minutes and then strip it away and add to it, strip it away and add to it, strip it away and add to it. How many hours do you think of writing work, not gigging work, writing, like sitting down writing, how many hours go into one of your shows? Oh. I'd, I'd, I don't, I'd struggle to answer that question, but I'm, a, I'm aware of like, in an average week, like I'll think to myself, right, I do the festival, I have September off, October the 1st, I'll start writing next year because I feel like... Oh, right, do you do it yeah, every year? Yeah, yeah, because it, I feel like it t- it's going to take me a year. I've started to feel like that's probably based on fear and actually a lot of the writing hours I do on any given week in you know January November whenever probably they're not it's not the most efficient use of my time yeah. obviously now with a child I need to be more efficient and, and like go okay for three hours of dithering if there was only going to be half an hour of writing just do that half an hour of writing I have to say you know when you have kids it does focus your mind on 
finding errors in the D that didn't. I can't tell you how many things I've done today, like before I, I, I meet you. Um, but there's so many. I'm, I'm, I, I'd say I'm a, I've mastered time management in a way that I could never conceive when I was in my 20s, sleeping off a hangover and watching 10 hours of TV a day. What did we used to do? <laughs> what was I doing with all that free time? And then I look at successful 20-year-olds, I'm like, that's what they were fucking doing. They that's were doing what, what doing. I'm doing now. <laughs> I should yeah. have been doing that at 20. Yeah. Do you, um, do you have any kind of uh, getting shit done strategies? Is it just the I kind have of... lists. Yeah, in fact, we've got a hashtag and my husband and I have a hashtag GSD. Getting shit done? Yep. And, and what are your do, what are your top do it straight tips? away do it, do straight, it straight away, away. yeah um, do it straight away I've got a list I've got and also my, my dad told me this thing that he does which I used to mock him for and he makes a list every day and at the top of his list is get up brush teeth so that when he gets out of his bed and he's brushed his teeth he can cross two things off and he feels like he's achieved something and I totally agree with that now because <laughs> I'm like even if I've done nothing else I've got up and I've brushed my teeth so um, I make lists and I just sort of get you know get as much done if i don't do it straight away i forget about it yeah so and i make little voice memos to myself and so things to have joke ideas or things to do both okay so because i know that i, I know that i always listen back to gigs i record gigs and listen back to them so i know because also in seeing what you're like how many hours of writing you do i don't know because don't you think that sometimes the best stuff comes up when you're just you let it bubble up on stage 100 percent so absolutely all the best I jokes like all, i would say 90 percent of my best punchlines ever bubbled out of me on stage and they're toppers like i mean last night i think the the applause break i got was for telling some big guy in the front row who told me that he was he clearly worked out he was a monster and he said and i was like he asked him him and his wife you know are you still shagging which i often do um and he was like yeah five times five times a day and i was like fuck off you take steroids you don't shag at all which is one of those sort of things that you think I, I could never imagine myself sitting down and writing yeah sure that kind of retort and yeah. of course you're just like <laughs> come we just said that <laughs> <laughs> so it's, do you what does it look like when you're sitting down writing are you writing longhand are you at a computer are you just tapping I things in your phone and I, I I get I've got loads of different notebooks I spit it out on, on the floor and I write it down longhand and then I put it into the computer Okay. And I kind of feel like um, I, from longhand, I've got the yellow books. Um, you know, the. the Illegal Amer- pads. No, I don't know. I, no? got, I got them in America. I just. Um, there we go. Pucker pads. These sort of yellow ones. I think I read that Jerry Seinfeld always writes on yellow oh, paper. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm I, believe, do that. I think I've read Stephen King writes on yellow paper. And I've always thought, so, oh, if you write on yellow paper, you're probably a genius. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Didn't even occur. Oh, vellum. Vellum. There we go. Okay. So, yeah, write, that, <laughs> write on yellow pads in the hope that I get some of. Jerry Seinfeld's influence. <laughs> and what is the... But that, that's, that's the show there. This is the Edinburgh show okay. so far that I've written down on the computer and then I um, cro- let me go cross and is that, it And that's written out longhand. We're looking that's at written out uh, long- 10 sorry. pages or so of A4 stapled together with computer printing Notes. on them and yeah. it's, all, it's all longhand. And, and then, do, you, do you then sit and learn the longhand stuff? No. I kind of sort of stick... Sometimes I like minimising it. Like there's a... You see, there's some things that I get quite ranty when I'm writing. So, and then I realise I've written two pages and it's not funny. Yeah. It's just me going 5.7% of, of, of reported rapes get end in a conviction. And of course, that's just not funny. But there will be something, I want to talk about that. I'm just interested in that. But, um, so that, that's, that's, that's the line I, I, I read there. But then I told a, a story about Max, I think in that bit that you learned, that, you, that I sent you about mm. Max talking about um, rapists. Yeah. Which... I hadn't done before, but it seemed to go. They they went with me, so I was kind of like, I'm I'm going to go for this. 
okay. and see how it goes. I told it twice before it got nothing. And that's kind of like, there's something funny about this because it I, is about the oppression of women, but yeah. But his take on it was quite interesting. I think there's something um, really interesting about absolutely that material. But for an act, I think there's something about when you have the instinct, you're like, there's something in this. And they, the audience go, no, there isn't. And then another audience go, no, there isn't. And part of you is thinking, no, there fucking is. Yeah, there is something yeah. in it. Stay with me, guys. How many times do you, or do you, how many times would you use the same idea in the same words before um, you go, I've either got to bin it or change the words? Oh, well, I'll, I'll do it to the death. There's some things that I'll keep in that I just like. They get nothing. I'm like, do you know what? I just like singing that. I'm yeah, it we'll, we'll be dead soon. You might as well enjoy myself. Yeah. I'm just say the thing I like saying. Yeah. To but silence. I, but, but I also kind of feel like now that I'm at the stage where what I've discovered for me is because I'm like, if I do a younger crowd, I walk on stage and they kind of think I'm like, maybe I like, students are used to being lectured to, so they sit quietly. I very rarely get heckled now. If it's a young guy on stage, I, I see them getting more sort of banter with them. Whereas I think they look at me and think, okay, we'll be respectful. So um, I find it, because because of what I, I don't know. I think it's my if it's my persona. I look a little bit scary. I think you have a certain degree of authority. You've got some strong woman authority going on there, and not in a sort of a an aggressive way at all. I don't know that you. I, don't I think it you... terrifies and turns people on at the same time. <laughs> But sometimes, yeah, okay. You can see boys kind of going, "I'd totally like to," but oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and is that something that you, if you're aware of that, is that something you kind of enjoy playing Absolutely. with? Absolutely. Yeah, if I see someone looking terrified, but like sort of that little sly grin, I'd totally stroke his leg or do something that's going <laughs> to freak him out. But I kind of enjoy that. Yeah, because you are quite your um, your your stuff is quite sexy a lot think? of the time. Yeah, I think so. I do talk about sex, don't I? You, yeah. <laughs> My husband I, would say I'm obsessed with sex. Yeah, well, you know... I'm fascinated by it because it's like, yeah. like there's, there's like people would rather talk about... It's more shocking, I guess, for people to talk about how much they are and no one discusses how much they are, but everyone's quite That's happy true. to talk about sex. That's true. So, and, and what I find extraordinary is when people answer me. So I'll say to somebody on stage, you know, how did you, did you have you had, when's the last time you had sex? And they'll be like, Tuesday. I'm like, why are you answering me? <laughs> and they always do. It's that authority. They're just like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to tell this lady. I had a brilliant one at the stand. In the stand in Glasgow, I said to a couple in the front row, so are you, are you you're a couple. And they were like, yeah. And I said, are you still, are you, are you married? And she said yes. And he said no. And I was kind of like, hang on a minute. And of course, the whole place was like, whoa. And they were having an affair sitting in the front row of a comedy club. They met on a website called Be Naughty. Oh, my God. And they told is, you all this information. And they just kept answering me. And I was kind of in my head going, why are they answering me? But they kept answering me. So I thought, well, I can't stop. Because the, 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 the crowd were going, they, they were really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah you try, like, try switching back was, to your material yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, they went and met on a website called Be Naughty, which is for married people to meet up. And they normally match you up with someone who's got as much to lose as you. So if I went on at married, they'd find somebody that's got um, earned around about the same as me with three kids and doesn't want. So they're happy with their life. They just want more sex. Okay. And then they'd met, and he split up with his wife for her, and she still had split up. Split up. No. So they're still having their affair, sitting in the front row of the, of the Glasgow stand, answering my questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, yeah. So your subject matter, you've got a lot of stuff about sex, but there is also. There's kind of, maybe sexy isn't the right word. I mean, in, in the performance of it, there is kind of, your persona has 
a sort of, I don't know if it's authority or confidence or something else. There's a bit of, you've got, you've got quite a, you've got quite a good twinkle. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And you know that. I like being naughty, yeah. I like, no, I don't like being naughty the website. <laughs> I like being a little bit naughty. Like that sort of, you know the glee when a child, a kid swears. Yes. I like that sort of playful naughtiness. And I like it. I find it quite hard to tell the kids off when they do something naughty that's fucking funny. Because you can like, that's brilliant. Yeah. Like, like Max, and I've not told this story, but I was, I think I might tell it at some point. We were, um, uh, Max woke up in the other night and he said to Stephen, to my husband, um, there was a lot of noise coming from your bedroom last night, daddy. And Stephen was like, well, I was tickling your mum. <laughs> and, and Max went, with your penis. <laughs> we're quite open about it now and I think it's important I I want them to talk about it yeah I don't want it to be a frightening thing because I I was um, I went to a Catholic school and I remember like being told and it was like shocking and terrifying and and I remember um, asking the nun like we had to learn about the Ten Commandments and I remember saying sister what, what does adultery mean and sister sister Cuthbert her name was said um, adultery is when um, a man behaves with another man's wife in the way he should only behave with his own. Clear as mud. And mm. I'm fucking I was like, well, does he argue with someone else's wife? <laughs> Just completely confused. I have to admit that when you said I went to a Catholic school, something very stereotypical in me went, oh, this all that's makes sense now. That's why she's obsessed with sex. Do you think there's any truth in that? Because I, I, I do know. think... I mean, that idea of, in his, I mean, I heard about, you know, Catholic schoolgirls. You hear that when you're a teenager. And similarly, didn't understand what it meant. Didn't know oh, what really? anyone was referring to. And now it's one of those things, like I always think with, um, with astrology or like particularly with the Chinese, Chinese yeah. year of the, you know, year of the snake. Well, that would mean every single person in my year at school, we were all the year of the snake. We were a million different personalities. How can that possibly be right? Yeah. One would imagine with Catholic school, you went there with loads of girls that didn't yeah and there was boys there as well okay so um yeah i don't know i just i'm I'm interested in i'm interested in the stuff that we don't i mean like we don't share openly with with each other like the things that you people wouldn't talk about i I find that fascinating i find it interesting how people get awkward and i mean what what is that can you just pursue your not the thing itself i think i understand what you mean by the thing but your interest in it the particular what is it about that that satisfies something in you? I um, fetishise honesty. I like honesty. I want to know... I, like, I want to want to have flaws and all rather than just... I, I take people at face value and I quite a lot I'm, I'm wrong-footed by people. So if someone's just nice to my face, I'm like nice to them and get it. And then if I find that they're, they're not the, the people that they say they are, I'm always shocked. I'm not very good at uh, reading manipulative deceitful people so i kind of think everything's everything's open with me i'm baffled by people with lots lots of secrets and getting up them just like but uh, so that interests me okay peeling back the layers i think you know i think there's lots lots of things in my childhood which were a bit weird growing up my dad wasn't the best to my mother and all that kind of stuff so i think i like brutal honesty okay i'd rather hear someone's 
darkness. That's and really enjoy that. I mean, I, I, I don't want to pry your if there were awkward elements of your childhood, or you know, like the, the way you've said that now. You know, my dad wasn't the best to my mum. That yeah. could be a whole range yeah. of things. And I think I want to, you know, I've got to respect my mum's privacy. Sure. But at the same time, there's things that I am. Um, I was always fine. And I was always safe, and I think I'm, I sort of make sure my children are safe and want them to be safe in their their home. But like, sort of creating a home for me was always very important, and keeping it safe was always very important, and being open. Yes, yes. I suppose oh, what I was going to say was taking that into account. I can I can see why you value your the open environment of your home so much. I think it's really interesting the things that people regard as priorities that they don't even know that they regard as priorities. Yeah. Because to you, it's just completely obvious that the most important thing is to have a safe, happy home with your children. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, that does sound like a big obvious one well, no, But I think that people, like when you look at people, and I think especially as I got older, I look at what people um, value as success. And success to me, like, is a bit of work and a bit of home. And there's not much, and, a bit of, and, and friends and, and family. Has That's it always it. Has it always been like that? Um, I think so. Yeah, I like a little bit of every, I like I like all the everything to be taken over at an average rate rather than. I mean, I don't know. I used to think you couldn't have a relationship and a successful career and a, a happy home life because something always had to give. But I don't know if I believe that now. I think if you just sort of set your sights into what what is really important to you and figure out what is important to you, then you can make yourself happy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that my my idea of what my definition of success has really changed a lot, and I wonder whether you know that way that you you in comedy one always starts out with people who then go on to become millionaires. Yeah, and I think to a certain extent, of course, one is going to mature and decide some things are more important mm-hmm. than others, and to a similar extent, of course, someone is going to have to lump the fact that oneself isn't one of the millionaires. Yeah. I'd wonder what extent, sort of for myself really, I wonder how much my kind of new idea about what represents, you know, like you say, a bit of work, a bit of family, everyone's happy. Yeah. I do a lot of yoga though. I think, I think, I think yoga and that sort of meditation thing is really like mindfulness. How often really, do you do mindfulness day. things? I do yoga every day. Okay. I do mindfulness a couple of, like that uh, Headspace app where you just sit and just listen let, let the world pass Do you know by. i'm only aware of the headspace app because the bloke that did it did a ted talk and he I, there was just something about the way he looked and i thought you're a juggler and he uses juggling to explain his uh oh, really? the concept he's like this is what allows me to think about these things and i went you are a clever juggler my friend that yeah. has built <laughs> you well, know so uh, am i <laughs> we're all jugglers yeah given what we do yeah 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 but um yeah i find it really interesting and like taking time out to sort of let your brain be is really interesting. And I think that's changed me for maybe the past sort of four years, five years. Okay. But then I don't know when, when people, when you say to me, does that come first or, or does that inform what you do or is that a result of what you do? I don't know, you know, how it came about. I just know that I feel a lot more open to um, share things and open to receiving stuff as well. And I think you'll go in mindfulness and, and being grateful. I mean, we've got a gratitude jar in the k- kitchen, which sounds, I know it sounds really fucking particular. No, tell me what the gratitude jar is. I like oh. it. So I, um, every morning we write down what we're grateful for today. With Riley, my youngest, it's always food related. He's like apples, <laughs> apples and toast. Um, but I kind of want to send the kids out to school with a nice thought in their head rather than 
leaving the school going leaving for school thinking is maths first thing uh, I want them to go isn't it great that the sun is shining and that I've got football after school that's a great idea so we put the, the, the and sometimes we dip into the jar and read it it just sits in the, the kitchen table and then I do it as well and I think we all we don't do it like we do it most days we don't do it every day but um, I think it's a nice set up to the day to go today I'm happy for that's really healthy and it's a, like you were saying before it's, it's the discipline of happiness is the this could be a complete tangent is the crystal that you're wearing around your neck anything energy and healing yeah. related yeah is I'm really it? into it yeah. is it it's hippie tell shit. me about yeah. the crystal that's okay I'm interested um, so this is uh, quartz white quartz and it's meant for clarity and um, I can't remember what else I've got, I've got they've got it all written down and this one here is moonstone and do you know Eric Lampard? Yes. Eric Lampard's wife, George, is really into it as well. And okay. she went, we had, um, they, she, they stayed with us when they came back to um, London for a while. And Jordan and I talked about the sort of voodoo stuff that we're into and sort of energies. And I kind of do feel, what's bizarre, I do, I do feel there's something in energies and crystals. And I know it sounds like crap. No, I'm not, I'm, really, I'm not go, saying that at all. I'm not judging you at all. But I'm what interested. I find interesting is when I come home with a new crystal, Riley comes over and he lets touch it and I've gave him a, like a tiger eye one and uh, he was like oh that's really burny didn't want to touch it it was too hot whereas he loves this one he keeps trying to put this one in his mouth <laughs> bizarre <laughs> Carl Donnelly's into it as well do you Happy that shit. doesn't surprise me for a moment <laughs> I don't mean that negatively Carl is also like Jordan full of surprises <laughs> um, do you th- so you, there's something in energies and it, that's that's I think that's kind of understandable it would be weird for people in our line of work not to believe that there's... I mean, it's a very woolly thing to say, but there's something in energies. I mean, we're in charge of the energy of a room, right? Absolutely. And I kind of like... From the scientific fact, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just moves on, doesn't it? It moves in different areas. So, like, when someone dies, that energy goes somewhere. Okay, yeah. So I kind of feel like there... Like, even when you sort of... You can deliver dark material with a lightness of touch that an audience will take it. And I find it really interesting that you think, like, because I'll make jokes. So what am I, I made a good joke the other week there. That's what I was, so I make a joke about um, worrying about Isabella getting pregnant. I don't know if it's on that. Uh, yes, I yes, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. And about teaching, uh, a good way to teach her to not get pregnant is to teach her how to give a blowjob. Yes. And I think, you know, that's sort of taking helicopter parenting to the, 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 the furthest extent because... <laughs> you should say that, that's you're just re- <laughs> You are removing the sperm from the equation, so she's not going to get pregnant. And yep. so the audience feel, they, they bristle a it's little tough. bit about that, right? Yeah. What they roar at is I say, you're right, um, who am I going to show her on? Max, come here, I've got something to show your sister. <laughs> and they roar at that because the idea of a mother teaching a daughter how to give a blowjob might be possible. Whereas the fact a mother sucking off a son, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. So they yeah. go with that one. And, and I should say as well, like I would urge the listener to seek out Wendy performing this live, <laughs> perhaps at this year's Edinburgh Festival, because it, that's, like, that's a you tough can... thing to talk about. That, that, well, the words you've just said are like, wow, dude. But it, I've heard it, and I've heard it destroy the room, you know. <laughs> I find it interesting. I don't know if it's too, I don't know if the idea of a mother teaching a daughter is too close to being possible. And yes, that's, that's why it's anxiety-inducing. But the idea of me performing oral sex with my son is so ridiculous to go with that. But, I, you know, there's no lead of thing going on. I wouldn't get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Do you b- 
believe that there is a different flavour of energy in that crystal as opposed to any other crystal. Yes, I do. You do? Yeah. I have a rose quartz thing and see when I'm really upset, I hold on to it. And the thing is, even if it doesn't do anything, if, if it doesn't, if, if it's all hokum, the fact that I hold it and feel better... Well, that's what I, that's what I'd argue. That's what I would fit. Well, I wouldn't argue. There's no yeah. point. But um, that's what I, I, I think. I don't know if quartz has an energy. I mm. think belief has an energy. Yeah. But isn't that interesting? Diane, there's a comedian called Diane Spencer who said something yeah. on stage the other night there, and I really want to get it made into a T-shirt for her, which was, beauty is like religion. You just have to have faith. Oh, yeah, that's good. And I was like, that's fucking brilliant. That's really good. Because that's about everything. That's, but that's everything. That's whatever you want to believe in. Whatever gets you, whether, it is, whether it is a bottle of wine or a crystal or whatever, I don't mind what everyone, what's any, whatever anyone is into, as long as it's getting you through the day. You have a real joie de vivre on stage, I think. That's another really? aspect of it. Yeah, for, for someone who is, we've established, you know, confident, <laughs> authoritarian, not authoritarian, <laughs> has authority, confident, sexy, twinkly, those kind of things. You like you're, you're a, me up, Stuart. You're a fan. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I think <laughs> the, you know this is yeah, the yeah. persona that you're, this is the, this is the way you engage with an audience. Yeah, I yeah. flirt with them. I yes. think I flirt with everyone. Yes. So you're opening, I think you also have, like the message that you're presenting is this, is the really positive message of Joie de Vivre. Like you were saying, you know, isn't it great, like your opening bit from that gig the other night, isn't it great being an adult? If I want a biscuit before I go to bed, <laughs> I just have one. I mean, that is such a wonderful joke. I mean, it's such a wonderful line. And I'll tell you, you know, yeah. I'm sure it's not a joke. You know, I'm sure you do. But you actually got the, technically got the joke wrong. I bet, I'm sorry, I butcher it whenever <laughs> I try to quote If I want, if I want a biscuit before dinner, I just fucking have one. Fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that would make more sense. But I, I um, do you discover... Is that part of the, the discovery of your persona? Like, what kind of material were you doing? So, seen in the framework of that sort of stuff, what kind of material were you doing when you first started out? When I first started out, what was I doing? I was doing stuff about my mum. I kind of wanted to go and, and change the world and talk about, you know, how we were all being oppressed. But the audience didn't want to hear that from me. Like, sometimes they're just like, no, don't do that. Tell us something about your mum. And I'm kind of like, you know, so I'll tell them about things. And they quite like, my persona on stage is quite chatty. So they'll take stuff from me like I'm chatting to a friend. But they don't want, no one wants to be lectured by their, their mate. They want to... Could you, could you do the stuff that you wanted to do about politics, social politics? Yeah. Could you have learnt to do that in a chatty way? Well, what I do now is I tell a story about the kids and then I get my message in after. So it's me teaching the kids. So they find it more interesting. They'll, they'll take it if I say, so I just said to him, blah, 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 blah. Rather than going, here's what I think yes, about rape. Yes, I see. Okay, yes. Yes. You can phrase it in here's me yeah. talking it to my child in a funny mm. way. So like, you, you the can story put the conversation... Yeah, the, the story about Max, where you heard, which I said when he said um, he heard on the radio rape and he asked me what rape was. And I said, well, you know, it's when a man has sex with a woman. And he was really shocked. He was like, is that a thing? Is that a thing? And I was like, ah, oh, but to be honest, it's more about um, a man making a woman feel bad. I couldn't say that to an audience, mm. but in the context of telling, explaining it to a child, they're get, you know, it's getting across. That's that's really smart, yeah. And, and listening to the listening to that clip, I hadn't really realised that was what you were doing. Of course you are. Of course that you know. I'm just doing a bullshit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> you learn the bullshit sandwich when your kids get older. It's great. 
They go, I love the way you tied your laces. Now go and pick up your top. And then then we'll go play football. So basically you don't just say, pick up your top. You have to package it. And this is what you're doing with your audience? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) But bizarrely, I think I've learned a lot from the kids. I think I've learned more from the kids than I thought I would. Because you know that you're going to teach your kids stuff when you have a kid. But you don't realize how much they're going to teach you. And I think that's really interesting. The kids, like, the kids, they just love unconditionally. And it's so great. And and I think that sort of open-heartedness is amazing. Like, if my husband's, like, home an hour late and didn't text or something, and I'm thinking, fucking hell, he didn't fucking phone. I have a little word for myself, because when he walks in that door, the kids will be like, daddy! And that's how you greet someone that's, that's, you know, you don't have a go at someone. Sure. Yeah. So to continue this metaphor of the right. uh, the the audience are like your children, you you <laughs> deal with them. Not in a patronising way. Just no, 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 no. Just but, to have know. to make what I'm saying more palatable to them. Yes. So in just to this, the, the metaphor may snap, but let's stretch it a little further. So if you learn stuff from your kids, do you learn from your audience as well? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I love the. Cl- I mean. There's a, the, at the end of the club set, I think I did a bit, I've done a bit of that for ages because I like the advert stings. But like they sort of come up to me after, like, they'll say things to me on, like some, some guy, I do a joke about bifidus digestive, and some guy shouted out, El Casi Immutas! <laughs> <laughs> My favourite heckle ever, means nothing. <laughs> Just showing it back to you. Well done. <laughs> but yeah, I do think, I, I find it interesting. I mean, I think audiences are amazing. I think the, the, the stuff that they'll go with is interesting. Last night, and I, and I quite like how they'll police things. Last, last night, um, a guy did a joke, a very racist joke, and the audience went, mm. and I thought, great. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. The audience were like, no, no, mate, we're not having that. So for someone who is uh, happy, you're happy. I'm happy. I'm not happy every single day, but then it's, it's, that's not the point of happiness, is it? It's the it's the, the savouring the good bits. It's, it's looking at the, 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 the things to be grateful for rather than feeling... Oh, do why you have, am I not on the... What is it? Do Apollo. You, uh, the Apollo. Apollo. Yeah. yeah. Do you have that? Some, well, sometimes I have those days, yeah. And I have to sort of look at them and go, okay, I'll be better tomorrow. But that's... I think that's the whole... I was going to say the Apollo. I, I, I nearly didn't say the Apollo because I thought I'm not a black singer. <laughs> that's a different Apollo altogether. <laughs> <laughs> But I am ambitious. <laughs> and you, so you have those moments and how do you, how do you do that? When you just say to yourself, uh, you know, I'll be better tomorrow. Is that a case of, you, you mean like my, oh, my mood will be better tomorrow. Yeah. I'll just sort of trust myself that I'll get out of this. If I have a bit of a fug or I feel a bit down, I'll put the kids to bed and go to bed early because then that's the end of that day. <laughs> I can't believe that's never occurred to me to do. If I'm feeling a bit down, I want to stay up and feel bad and get drunk. Go to bed early and then that's day, that day done. That's one of the most intelligent <laughs> things I've ever heard. Really? Yes. Oh, you're welcome. That's great. That's what my partner does. That's probably why she's so happy. Go to bed early. But then I remember speaking to you the other week there when you... Was that must have been a while ago, um, which I wanted to tell you about. But the, um, do you struggle with admin? How do you do your admin? Yeah, well... I can't be doing with it. I'm trying to do it. What I try to do now um, is uh, when I get... Well, there's lots of different sorts of admin. Let's look at emails. What I try to do is go, right, mentally speaking, I'm going to have an hour or two on Wednesday morning and an hour or two on Friday Ah. morning where I answer all the emails. So when emails come in, I look at them and decide whether it needs my immediate attention. If it doesn't, I just leave it there. 
and then on Wednesday morning I get back to inbox zero. I get rid oh, of everything. So you, that, you've trained yourself to do it on a Wednesday morning. I that is my new. I'm talking more from the. I hope this is how it's going to work from now on. <laughs> it will rather than well, it's see, been that, months. That, that's that another I'm thing I've learned from yoga. I hope this is going to. I hope this is how it's going to be from now on. There's a great thing about yoga where if you expect your body to do it, it just does it. So there's things that I can do now at yoga that I've, like, I've been doing yoga for 15 years and, I, I, and only recently I've thought, I'll just expect to be able to do it. And if you expect it of yourself, it happens. Does that, is that analogous to your career? Can you, can you, is this a bit Noel Edmonds? Is this a bit like uh, I've drawn a picture on my hand yeah. and now <laughs> yeah. it's going to happen? What I'm doing is I'm going to vibrate cancer away. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> With my I wasn't eyelashes. even thinking about that. I wasn't even thinking about that. And it's alarmingly precious. It's obviously been in my mind. Um, but is there, you know, is there a, can you will yourself to career success? I think visualization is really important. I think you have to look at where you want to see yourself. And sometimes I want to see myself on my sofa. So, like the millionaires we talk about when I've bathed all the kids and they're all fed and they're cool and they're snuggled up on the sofa and they smell delicious and I have to go out to a gig there's I have a moment of going oh, what fucking stupid job I've got I hate my job but of course I've got three little you know not so little the eldest is so is much older now but I have to sort of go I have, I have a word saying with myself saying you've got three healthy children shut your face and go out and get some money but it's quite hard and you'll feel that with, with your little one when you see them all just... And they smell so good. They've got that hormone in the back of their necks, babies, don't they? Where they do, do you know that? No. They have a hormone in the back of their necks because newborn babies smell delicious. Okay, right. So that if you find them and they're abandoned, you pick it up and keep it and take care of it. Humans are amazing. That's pretty amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, my other half goes away... Um, because I like obviously because he's an actor and sometimes he'll go away on, on set for like three months or whatever I have to I set my alarm for 3am and do my admin from 3 till 4 that's literally on my list of things from a oh, conversation sorry. we had ages ago yeah. admin at 2am two sleep system sorry I'm excited that you right. brought that up because I'd missed that as I scrolled through my notes you do admin at 3am because I can get back to sleep it's so boring if I do it for you do it hour, as a means of curing insomnia well not, no I'll set my alarm and wake up at 3 if he's away because I'd, like, normally I'll be like, can you watch the kids? I've got a few emails to get through. Okay. But if I don't have that there, mm-hmm. I'll set the alarm for three, do it for an hour, and then go straight back to sleep again. Because I've got a theory that we're not meant to sleep straight through for eight hours. I think it's four hour bursts. Okay. Your baby will wake up in the middle of the night. You don't die if you have four hours sleep and then wake up again. You, you get through it. So I kind of think if you can catch up on sleep, um, you, you will. So how long do you do admin for? An four hour, hours sleep, an hour. an hour of admin, four hours sleep. Boom. Every night? Not every night. No, I don't have to do that. Just if you wake yeah. up? I find that really useful. Because the middle of the night is that time we're like... Can you do creative work in that Occasionally, hour? I've got can a, you, get, can you take advantage of the soupy, dreamy, tired stuff? Well, yes. Yeah, sometimes the dreams you have after doing, like, Twilight ad- admin is amazing. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, good dreams about filing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I have this magical filing system with a unicorn. But I find that useful, getting up in the middle of the night. I don't know if that's baby sleep times that you pine for when you don't have a baby. As a happy person and a person effective at making oneself happy, how do you deal with reviews? Do you read your reviews? Um, I tend not to in Edinburgh. Sometimes someone will come up to you and go, oh, that's all you're reading. You, you find out reading it. But I kind of, I'm quite, I'm quite removed from it because I kind of think everyone, because as I've got older, I've realised that everyone's got their own agenda. So no one writes a review going, I'm going to give a, 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 a measured critique of this comedy show. Sometimes a review will read like, can I have a job at The Guardian, please? 
rather than I'm working for Broadway Baby do you know, or whatever whatever the, the production is or the publication is. And I kind of think it's really interesting. Um, I had one review that started with, um, there is a danger for comedians in Edinburgh that they invite critics to their shows too early. And I was like, oh, fuck off. If you knew that, why did you fucking come? I didn't invite you. I didn't invite you. So, I, it's just, But then I kind of feel like, uh, the same way then somebody says something on Twitter, something negative, I just think, oh, you're a dick. I kind of remove myself from it. Also, if someone, if someone trolls me on Twitter and doesn't have a real name, I'm like, it doesn't count. If you don't have your actual name and you say something mean about me, it doesn't count. That's a really good rule to have. It doesn't count. If you, if you can't stand behind your own comment, you're a dick. Especially because we're putting our head above the parapet. So people are going to be chucking stuff at us. So if you were to review yourself, um, what would you say? What would I say? I don't know. That's a really hard question. I'm like, Wendy seems nice. <laughs> I'll have a drink with her. <laughs> I liked her top. <laughs> she looks really thin. <laughs> if All you were to... <laughs> I like the great answer. I'm going to push you. Mm-hmm. If you were to... Like, you, you doing a set or yeah. you doing an Edinburgh show. Yeah. Like, you doing... Let's specifically... The last Edinburgh show you did, say. The last Edinburgh show I did. To, if you were to review that to your standards, knowing what you know about you... Yeah. I was, I'm really angry at the reaction my last Edinburgh show got because I, my husband ended up in hospital in LA. He passed out cold on the, on the, on the sidewalk. That's what they call it in America. And, he, and I took him to the nearest hospital, which was a county hospital, which people who don't have health insurance go to. And they treat all the stab victims and the gunshot victims. And you get admitted according to whether you can talk or not. If you can't talk, you go straight in. And if you can, you can wait for three, three days in the waiting room. And they found out what was wrong with Stephen. He had a bleeding ulcer. Uh, but they couldn't treat him because while the operating theatre was clear, there was no beds on the ward. So I had to sit with my husband as he was bleeding to death in front of my eyes and they couldn't do anything about it. And I was kind of like, this is what's going to happen to the NHS. This is what's happening because they're privatising it all and David Cameron's cutting up. And Michael Portillo said in 2011, they're going to dismantle the NHS. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. And Andrew... Mo- uh, Andrew um, I think Andrew Marr pushed him on it and said, what, why didn't the Tories tell us that before we elected them? And he said, because if they told you that, you wouldn't have elected them. And I was so angry about it. I did the show about it and, and explained exactly how the, the, they're breaking down the NHS and what's happening and what they're doing and how we can stop that. And nobody seemed to give a fuck. It was just that sort of apathy that I find really extraordinary. So I, enjoy, I was really proud of that show I did. Was it a funny show? Did people laugh? Well, there was, fun, there was funny bits in it, but of course it's not... And I'd, like, and I'd say to them, this is the boring bit, sorry about that, Pick, take it up with David Cameron, I'm telling you about what's happening to the NHS because we need to do something. And do you know what I find really bizarre? As someone, I like... I kind of feel like little act, random acts of kindness and doing little things for other people make you feel better, make them feel better. Why wouldn't you care about the society we're in? In Scotland, people are like, well, we'll just vote yes then for independence so that we can save our NHS. And you're like, oh, so, so you're all right, Jack. I don't understand a society that doesn't give a fuck about the sort of people that are worse off. So um, that show, um, that, it was all right. I mean, I was, I was happy with it. I was proud of it. Um, and there was, there, was, there was a few bits that weren't that funny, but I don't think people are going to rat- laugh in the aisles for an hour anyway, are they? I think if people, people sort of laugh in, in, in waves, don't they? They say 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes for an Edinburgh show. Would you agree with that? I'm certainly trying to make them laugh in the aisles for an hour. For an hour? I kind of yeah. think people get sort of weary. I don't laugh for an hour. 
And they say the optimum time, like, even for TED Talks, is 18 minutes. Oh, God, well, don't get me started. I wish Edinburgh was 40 minutes. I, I wish be. everyone did 40 minutes. It should be 40 and minutes. And that was the it's complete rule. Everyone did 40 minutes. It was a 20-minute changeover. Then the next person comes yeah. and does 40 minutes. I think it's too long. Yeah. I mean, Billy Connolly can do an hour. Well, I think Billy Connolly, if you've established a following and you're a massive star, people will come and li- li- listen to you go, hi, my name's Billy Connolly, or whatever, you know, hello, my name is Jer- Jerry Seinfeld. But they'll, 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 the expectation is there and what they bring to it is that, like, I can't believe I'm sitting in the same room as Jerry Seinfeld. So that's going to be heightened excitement. Whereas if you're going to see it, take a point on a show that you don't know, I think 40 minutes is fine. Why don't we all start doing 40-minute shows? Let's do that. Why <laughs> don't Karen we? Karen Corn will take my arse. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm scared of Who's Karen. Who's in charge? Yeah, okay. This is, we finally discovered the chick in your armour. <laughs> powerful woman, Wendy Mason, has been bested <laughs> by powerful woman, Karen Corrin. We should do 40 minutes. I don't know. I'll, I'll try it. If we could financially incentivise Karen Corrin and v- yeah. read, you know, yeah. the, the promoters of the bigger venues and what have you. If we could financially incentivise people that 40 minutes is better for... You'll sell more beer if it's yeah. 40 minute shows. It's a good idea. People won't need more wheeze. Yeah. Or something. Uh, something like, like that. that. Presumably, when you are turning over an hour every two years, mm-hmm. your, how much does your club set change? Does your club set always reflect this is the stuff from the the forthcoming hour or the most recent hour sort of um, I'll do, like, there's a few favourites I mean like people ask me to do the sort of um, Spider-Man one all the time what's the Spider-Man one I think I'll know it if you describe it I can't um, good Spider-Man wears a red outfit and bad Spider-Man wears a black outfit do you know it I don't know that bit I'm no. going to tell you it tell me a bit so when Max was about six he got really into Spider-Man and he found this old copy of Spider-Man. And in this copy of Spider-Man, good Spider-Man wears a red outfit and bad Spider-Man wears a black outfit. I am a huge Spider-Man fan and this is all I can do not to correct you on the details, but yes, go on. Is that not right? <laughs> it's not right, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> good Spider-Man wears a red outfit and bad Spider-Man wears a black outfit. For the purposes of this conversation, fine. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I'm sorry. Somebody said, like, Spider-Man 2, and I was like, shh. Um, and in, when he's bad Spider-Man, he punches his girlfriend. So I stopped the DVD and I'm like, listen, Max, one of the worst things a man can do is hit a woman. And he's like, okay, mommy. So a few days later, we're out having lunch with some friends and he starts up. One of the worst things a guy can do is hit a woman. And Spider-Man hit his girlfriend, but that's only because he was black. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I did hear that on the bit. So that's a, that's that's a while really old. That's really old. Okay. But it sort of it gets a, a nice sort of, whoa, because it's like, oh, it's almost a racist joke, but it's not. So it's... It's ang- people get anxious, but the, 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 the laughter relief. It's a bigger release yeah. because they think it's going, yeah, okay, okay. So is that a bit but that I you get... But I don't do bits in about it. Yeah, sure. I don't do it every, every gig. No, no. I'm chatting away and... is, is that, I was going to ask, what's your most pleasurable bit to do? The newest bit. The newest bit I enjoy doing. I've got, I was like, guys, wait. In the same way that I'm like, check my new top. Well, look at my new material. Yeah. And then you're like, No. You don't like it? <laughs> I was talking to Russell Howard about this for the, the, the interview that's going out this week. Um, he was saying even Billy Connolly must be on stage going, oh, that, that new bit worked. And that must, yeah, be, the be- yeah. that must be the best. I, I love that you said that because I saw, I got a photo, I was really heavily pregnant with Riley and I'd just done Edinburgh. I was exhausted because I did two shows in Edinburgh when I was pregnant with him. And then in the September, I had him. So it must have been like a week after Edinburgh, and I was lying on the sofa like a beached whale. And Sarah Bonetta called me and said, Jerry Seinfeld's closing the store tonight. I was like, shut up. She went, he is. Do you want to come? I can get, I've got his tickets. Do you want to go and see it? And I was kind of like, I'm on the, I was on the sofa, and my husband said to me, if you don't go, 
you'll be gutted that you didn't go. And I was like, I, my feet were swollen. I was just like, I just did this huge hulking lump off the sofa and went to see him. And it was great. It was great. The audience reaction was extraordinary. But he opened with a new bit. And it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> he did a bit of a walking down Portobello Road. And he was like, what? Was this mushrooms? And the audience went, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, I was like, oh, cool. That's great. You're always learning. It's always a, a work in progress because we're all we're we're all we're all work in progresses. What would you have engraved on your comedy gravestone? Work in progress. <laughs> what would I have engraved on my comedy gravestone? Is that after I've like died on the, on stage or actually died in real life? <laughs> you can interpret it however you want. It's like your final um, the final summing up of you in comedy. She grew three humans. Watch her roar. (laughs) (laughs) That's very nice. So that was Wendy. Thank you to her for coming on the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, Thank you to uh, Olivia and to Emily for their brilliant help logging a load of episodes at the moment. New episodes coming out. I've got John Robbins in the can. Todd Barry in the can. Doing uh, Tiffany Stevenson tonight. We'll uh, get her on very soon. Uh, Colin Holt coming up on Monday. uh, And a couple of other little secret ones I'm working on at Montreal and indeed LA Podfest where I'm very happy to be returning later on this year so that will do us for now thanks of course to Johnny for his uh, his help editing still stepping in in the temporary absence of Mr Nathan Wood so thanks to everyone that has helped make this show happen this week um, donate if you fancy comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate and I've got a little bit of uh, chat on some administrative stuff at the beginning of the waffly bit which I will do in a moment but for now that concludes the podcast speak to you very soon and the stuff while, while it's in my head only got two things to talk about very quickly and then I must hit the road the first thing is that after my mention last week of some microscopic correspondence from someone and my difficulty in ignoring your correspondence someone well more than one person but someone really summed it up very nicely I got an email from a listener which basically said just reply tar mate and then sent me some lovely stuff about the show and I thought, this is a good system. If you're a waffler, if you're a, a member of uh, Horse Society, <laughs> for such is the latest version of it that's just tumbled out of my mouth, um, if, you're the pers- if you're the sort of person that listens to this bit, thank you. It's a nice little pressure valve for me. Um, but something you can do, because I am just snowed under by admin and life and podcast and baby and everything else, and I've got to write. I've got to write. The show is so nearly there. Uh, more of that in a second. Um, but if you would like to get in touch with me, then how about we have some system whereby... Okay, all you need to put at the end of your correspondence is, P.S., I'm a cool guy. I've always considered the term guy to be gender interchangeable, so I hope you're happy with that. P.S., I'm a cool guy. Just let me know that I'm able to write back to you with one word, and I'll make it a unique word. I will try never to rip... I will do my best never to repeat the unique word. So if you send me some stuff and it's important to you and you want me to know the information and how the effect the podcast is having on you, and I really care about that, and so many times I find myself emailing back... Oh, thanks, man. I'm sorry I can't go into the the the, the length, you know, that your that your email deserves because you send me some quite long emails. Thank you, and and I really I, I take the information on board and I really appreciate it and I put it in my little yeah file. Um, 
but uh, I, I just find myself all the time saying I can't get back to you in as much depth if you write me a lovely email and at the bottom of it you say P.S. I'm a cool guy that is you giving me permission to send you a one word email reply something like incredible and then you'll know that I've taken it on board and I'm not brushing you off but uh, that's the system so P.S. I'm a cool guy someone mentioned recently the, um, the old uh, I'd be pleased to be introduced to your beautiful daughter code they mentioned it in public, Ellie Taylor, on the internet. Don't do that. Um, but uh, I'm only joking. But um, uh, that's the system. If you're a comedian and you want to be on the show, and if you're listening to this and you are, uh, I mean, as I, I know some of you are, if you're a really Charlie Big Potatoes comedian and you're probably thinking, so dead easy for Stu to ask me whenever he wants to, uh, uh, to get me on the show. It's not that easy sometimes. I'm finding myself, the last three months, I've spent myself wading through... Um, obstacles that you, famous comedian, have deliberately put there to prevent anyone getting in touch. I know why you have to do that, but if you listen to the show and you'd like to be on it, simply send me an email, info at comedianscomedian.com, with the secret line, I'd love to be introduced to your beautiful daughter. And that way I will know that you're not just after the massive, massive PR potential of appearing on ComCom, but you actually listen to it and give a shit and want to talk about uh, what makes you tick comedically so that's all of that and the only other thing I don't even want to say this but it's important that I get it out I died you know years ago I was going to do a special comedy death special I thought why don't we have a special hotline that people can ring into and uh, and say uh, hey you know you like a special hotline number that you, it's like a recorded message an act who just died on their asses could ring on the way home and go oh this is awful this is how I feel and of course, I never set it up, and there'd have been no point because no one likes to reflect on it. But I feel I should at least share this with you. Last Sunday night, I became trapped in amber. <laughs> I was, I started doing a gig. I set it up all wrong. I set my stall out badly. There were only nine people in the room, and I was just saying to them, look, I, I mean, I've got a personal rule that without ten people, we can't do a gig. And then, but at the same time, I knew there was a group of 10 downstairs who were refusing to come up because they were watching the football. So I'm completely trapped between like, do we do it or not? Are they not going to turn up? Bollocks, let's do it. And then the group turned up and a lot of them didn't speak English as a first language. And I'm making excuses now. If you were one of those humans, I'm so sorry. I basically died on my ass for nine minutes. Total silence. All of my beautiful babies, my beautiful joke babies, just poof, eviscerated. And then... Because it was going so badly and I, I need the show to work. I've got so little time now. I'm like, every preview is precious. And I had 100% slammed the, 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 whatever the, what's the stick called the pilot uses in the cockpit? The stick. It's the stick. You grab the stick, isn't it? Yeah. <coughs> I jammed the stick forwards and driven the comedy plane into a tailspin. Then, because I knew I was recording it, I started trying to narrate my death for use on future episodes I thought oh well, I can get something out of this one day I'll I'll release it that was a terrible idea fellow comedians and podcasters if you ever find yourself thinking oh I'll, I'll start narrating this and get something out of it never do that it's incredibly alienating and anyway you're talking about the fact you're dying on your ass someone who'd been heckling in a fairly good natured way I mean not heck they weren't attacking the show they were just loudly over joining in um, he and that, to be fair I was grateful for it it was the only audible reaction I was getting he um, he then started berating me, going, stop telling us how badly you're doing. It's insulting to us. We're enjoying it. And yet I'm like, mate, I've got the context. You can't be enjoying it because none of you are laughing. You might be sort of smirking. You might be listening and smiling. But that's not what I'm going for. So we just, I mean, he, oh, it was awful. 
I've got it on record. God, this is one of those. If this status gets a million likes, I will release the thing. <laughs> but um, oh god, it was so bad. Maybe I'll include it as extras on the album. I can't release it yet because it contains like awful dead versions of the brilliant jokes that are in my show that's coming up compared to what 3:45 p.m. Liquid Drums Annex every day throughout uh, the festival apart from the one of the middle ones that I've taken off the Monday I think um it's good gear man and I did it last night in Bath to only eight people holy shit it was a great gig it was great fun the stuff all works something just went horribly wrong the 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 mix didn't set the 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 epoxy didn't stick the other sciencey sounding metaphor didn't go off. <laughs> um, it was hell. It was hell. And I had to walk around the venue in circles afterwards, shaking it out of my system and then shower. And then, but I didn't, I didn't have the chance of that because I had to drive 150 miles. So that was a bad time for me. I hope you can draw something from that. I hope the thing you draw from that isn't, God, maybe Goldsmith's shit. Let's not go and see him. It's a great show. It's worked pretty much every other time. But that was awful. And I think it's testament to my confidence and my ability that I feel comfortable sharing that information with you. I mean, if you want to test if I'm any good before you come and see Compared to What in Edinburgh, you can always download Extra Life from uh, comedianscomedian.com forward slash shop for only, I think, three quid. Or you can pay extra if you want. Give that a go. That's definite proof that I'm funny. And I get heckled in the first 30 seconds by someone who's just walked in. And I bloody left it on the album. Confidence. That'll do. I'm leaving. Thank you. Sorry if you were at the gig. I I maybe will release it at some point because then you can... It'll be quite satisfying, I think, to go, that's the album. Here's all of the jokes working. Here's me saying those jokes to worse than silence. To a sort of sucking void. Um, But that... uh, that really is only going to happen once I have got a, a recording of the show in which every single line lands and tears the roof off. We can but dream. It's a good show, man. It's so It's so nearly ready. Just need to decide whether or not to lose the bit about narcissism. Ah, Trixie, speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.